Look, McDonald's, I absolutely love your fries, but you can't deny how creepy some of the people are who walk through your doors. This world is a strange one. I got burnt out on McDonald's years ago. Five meals a day from the same place will do that to you. Not to mention all the creepy stuff that can go down at the good old Mickey D's. It's nothing against this massive food chain itself. It's simply what happens when you become that popular. The more people who walk through the door, the more weirdos you see. And sometimes among those weirdos are a few straight up psychopaths. If you're hankering for a burger, you'd better be prepared for the worst kind of people. Enjoy these allegedly true creepy stories from McDonald's. But first, have you had a creepy experience in Mexico? Are you Native American with real encounters with things from your folklore? I would love to hear your story. You can send us your story today at darknessprevails.org. Now, forget counting calories, I'm going in. Number one, stalked for months, submitted by Bobbin. After all this time, just remembering this leaves me nervous. I worked at a McDonald's while studying at college, both full-time. A few months into this job, I actually enjoyed most shifts. Some were a pain and others were downright funny. The managers appreciated my friendly attitude towards customers, so I was behind the counter taking orders like most nights. On this particular night, I greeted the first customer I had with a smile. Hi there, may I take your order? It was as I finished speaking this automatic greeting that I noticed something. The customer behind the one in front of me, it was an older man. He did a double take directly at me, but only after I began to speak. This in and of itself was not abnormal as I have a mixed accent that some pick up on rather quickly. But the moment our eyes met, my stomach dropped. He was around six feet tall and wore baggy jeans. He also wore a beige jacket with a black hat. He was mostly bald based on what I could see, but his eyes made me anxious and he had this creepy, slowly growing smile that seemed to be trying to reach his eyes. After what felt like hours, I cleared my throat and wrapped up my first order, genuinely dreading his approach. I even remember telling myself to knock it off. I shouldn't be judging this stranger so quickly. Hey there, may I take your order? I greeted him, forcing a pleasant smile on my face, though I believe my nervousness got through still. Yes. He speaks unnecessarily soft, but he doesn't follow it up with anything, so I ask him what he would like. But like before, he just stands there holding my gaze with that awful, slowly building grin. A good 10 seconds pass by before he finally answers, but the order goes as expected otherwise. The following night, I worked the drink station for a change. There was a partition wall there, but I stepped out into view of the lobby. I had my hand on the ice cream handle to pour McFlurry. When there it was, my stomach just sank like it did before. Everyone knows that feeling of being watched, even though it could have been a fellow employee just staring at me. Instinct left me turning towards the lobby. And of course, there he was, purposely turned in his seat, just to stare at me, not even trying to hide it. It was like looking at someone posing for a photograph his smile and position completely still as others walked throughout, not to mention that look as if he was waiting on something. This became a normal occurrence several times a week for two whole months. 
He would order a drink and then simply sit there for five or six hours. And I'm not exaggerating. He would be there for almost a whole shift. When I worked on the floor itself to clean, he would turn to keep staring my way, no matter where I went. He was so obvious that even a friend at work noticed him, but the managers didn't seem to care. Well, I guess technically he hadn't done anything wrong yet. Another night, he appeared while I was taking orders, entering just a minute after I logged into the till. Uncomfortably, I take his order and reach out to accept his change. This is when he grabbed me by the wrist, pulling it slightly towards him. Looking back on this, I wish I would have reacted differently, but in the moment, I simply stood there like a moron in shock. When do you finish work, Robin? Everyone wore a name tag, but the way he spoke my name spiked a level of adrenaline I didn't know I even had. With him tucking the change slowly into my hand, I pulled my arm away from his quickly, finally freeing myself from his grasp. He looked very angry or offended as I ignored him. There was no way I was risking getting grabbed again, so instead I just left his receipt on the counter. Robin. This time he had the nerve to actually raise his voice. I walked away quickly, leaving someone else to hand him his order while I cleaned. It took forever for my adrenaline and racing heart to finally settle, as I honestly felt threatened. I didn't even see the point in speaking with a manager. They've been ignoring my problem this whole time. Finally, midnight rolls around and it's time to go home. By then I was feeling better and I planned on waiting by the doors for mom's car to come into sight. Living in a small, familiar town left me overconfident that nothing serious would happen. I started considering waiting just past the doors that night, as the restaurant was stuffy and I didn't mind the cool air. With my eyes on my iPod, the automatic door slid open as I completely froze mid-step. That same feeling from before, I suddenly felt sick to my stomach, adrenaline flooding me in an instant this time. And that's when I saw it, a car parked directly outside the doors with its engine running. The driver's face was mostly hidden since it was dark, but I recognized that black hat right away. Even at night, I could still make out one hand resting on his door handle. He must have not seen me because this guy had the audacity to lean back in his seat like he was trying to actually hide himself from view. I take one step back, about to turn and book it past the second automatic door back inside for help. But at that moment, I see my mom's car pull in close by. With the parking lot no longer empty, the creep pulled away. Even so, I waited until he was completely gone before running across the lot to my mom's car. I tell her everything, and we agree that I need to get through to the managers the following day. Thankfully, they did believe me, and I think one of them even looked into the surrounding cameras. But for whatever reason, the guy never came back. Thank God. It was a relief, but I wasn't reassured completely until I finally left that job some weeks later. Please, trust your instinct, even when your body reacts before your own mind does. If I hadn't, I would have walked out of those doors and passed that car obliviously. I don't even want to think of what might have happened if my mom hadn't been there, if I hadn't noticed his car in time. Who knows what he was going to do that night. I'm thankful to be alive. Just remember, wonderful people and horrifying people are everywhere, regardless of where you live. Stay safe.
Number two, McDonald's Creepy Guy, submitted by Milo. Back during my freshman year of high school, my friends and I would get together on Saturday nights to sleep over at each other's houses. We would stay up really late and sometimes even pull all-nighters, just hanging out and playing around. I have a lot of good memories of these nights, but one of these memories stands out as one of the scariest moments of my life. I will never forget it. It was late, we were all very tired, but none of us wanted to waste a perfectly good night on a precious weekend. Decided to go to a McDonald's, which conveniently was just down the road. About four of the guys and I started walking down the road to the restaurant. As we were walking, I just had this eerie feeling that I was being watched. Maybe it was me being tired or maybe it was just the night, I don't know. When I told my friends this, they just called me a wuss. I then took a moment to collect my thoughts, trying to calm myself down. As we walked into the McDonald's, immediately we noticed how empty the place was. There were only two employees working there at the time. One by one, each of us ordered until a man with a long black trench coat came in and stood behind us in line. I couldn't get the thought of this guy being behind us out of my head. Thoughts of fear went through my brain. Could this be the man that was watching me earlier or am I going crazy? I kept looking back at him. Each time he was glaring with big eyes directly at me. Something told me that when I looked away, his eyes were still staring a hole through me. I was growing more nervous by the second. Towards the end of our orders, the man rushed mysteriously out of the side door. Relief at last, I said to myself, although it was really weird. Fast food in hand, we walked out back to the house. As we walked through the McDonald's parking lot, I was trying my best to piece together in my head what the guy's deal was. Was he just trying to stay warm and pretending to stand in line? Was he looking for a friend? It wasn't my business and I didn't care anymore. It was all over, after all. So we just continued walking down the road, laughing about jokes here and there, already excited for the night ahead. We walked back up the steps at my house and I was feeling at ease. I felt safe at the house. As my friend reached to turn the knob of the door, we noticed that the door was already opened. Instantly, fear rushed through me. I was scared. I was in denial in my head. Maybe we left the door open and we didn't know it. Maybe we just didn't shut it all the way and the wind blew it open a crack. Maybe someone was in the house. No, 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 that's not happening. I was trying to convince myself. Just as much as I was, my friends were trying to make sense of it as well. And they said that maybe my friend's sister got back from her job late, but her car was nowhere in sight. We all decided to just walk in and confront whoever was in there. We walked slowly into a completely dark house, leaving our food on the ground outside, just in case we needed all of our hands. The place was dead silent. We explored each room one by one, and so far each one was clear, only until we peeked into the dining room. This room was the darkest in the whole house as there were no windows. We never even thought about turning on the lights. If someone was there, we wanted to sneak up on them. I mean, if we turned on the lights, they could see it and climb out of the window before we saw them and we would be none the wiser. Each one of our eyes scanned the room and in one dark corner, we saw the outline of a figure. We all locked eyes with this figure. I for one stared at them in silent fear. 
My eyes soon adjusted and quickly recognized the figure. There was no forgetting that long black trench coat and those menacing eyes. Before we could say anything, the figure lunged at us. He hit me hard in the shoulder, forcing me back, and then he made a break for the door. I could see he had something in his hands, but I could not tell what it was. My friends tried to grab hold of this guy, but with unnatural momentum, he barged through them as well. And right after hearing a metallic thud hit the floor, the man ran out of the house into the night. Immediately after this, we called the cops and filed a report. They searched the neighborhood, but did not find anyone. And for the next week or so, they watched the house, but still, the man never came back. Let's just say we had our overnights at another person's house in a completely different neighborhood after that. And I will never forget that night, because one thing terrifies me more than anything else. The thing he had dropped on the floor was a bowie knife. Something tells me this man was waiting for us to get back home. He was planning something sinister and only changed his mind at the last second. Seeing his dark figure in the corner that night, it will forever be burned into my brain. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Number three, Mickey D's Nightmare, submitted by Isabella. It's somewhat important to know that I'm a woman and I work the second shift. There was a regular there that came to the McDonald's every single week 
and usually every other day. Needless to say, the guy was not in good shape. He didn't take care of myself and he grossed out the crew. He had a dirty, unkempt beard and he had a beer gut, often wore the same vile, stained wife beater, which I think used to be white. And to bat, his attitude was not a prize either. The guy was a sleazeball. He would hit on all the young female workers, but he would actually grimace when we'd make one of the guys ring him up. He'd ask for things like, have you ever gone down on someone? Management didn't really care though. This guy ordered so much food, management simply saw him as just another guy flirting with the staff. One night when my shift was almost over, the guy walked in. So I convinced Daniel, a guy who worked the same shift as me and the only other person there at the time, to ring him up. His task was usually to work the drive-thru, so he gave me the headset and started to ring the guy up. The entire time the man was telling Daniel his order, he was staring at me. I was standing off to the side near the window, so it was quite obvious he was looking right at me. He kept his hand down by his side, but from where I was, I could not see what he was doing. I looked over at Daniel to see if he had saw, but I don't think he had noticed. I started working on his order to get him out of here as quickly as possible, but he said he wanted to eat inside the store. That's just great, I thought. When he went to sit down, Daniel had finally noticed what the man was doing with his hand. He hurried over to me, his face beat red. I had never seen him like that before. He said to me in an excited yet anxious whisper, Amy, that guy was... He paused for a second, probably thinking about how he was going to word this. Then he said slowly, stroking his member. My jaw dropped and I felt disgusted and unclean. I was shocked. The only thing I could think of to say was, are you serious? I looked over at the guy to see him staring back at me. Sure enough, he had his hand in his pants. Oh my God, I said under my breath. It was unbelievable. This guy was touching himself right in front of me and my coworker while downing a cheeseburger. I told him that we needed to call the police and I pulled out my cell phone. As soon as I did, the guy shoved the rest of the burger in his mouth, ripped his hand out of his pants and pulled the rest of his food into his arms. Then he bolted out of the door faster than it looked like he could run, dropping half of his fries along the way. Still, I asked Daniel to call the police because I was going to call our manager, Steven. Our manager and the police both showed up pretty fast. Steven gave the police the security tapes to find out who he was. Before leaving, the officer reminded us to call again if he ever came back. A little while later, my shift was finally over, so I headed out into the parking lot. I walked over to my car and what I saw made me freeze in my tracks. My car tires were slashed. I went back into the store, angry that someone vandalized my car right after the police had just left and I was beyond exhausted. So I decided to just have a milkshake while I waited for an Uber. It got here fast. When I walked by the car, I noticed that someone was in the back. So I decided to sit in the passenger seat to avoid awkward conversation. I told the man my address and I deeply regret that. As soon as the car pulled out of the McDonald's, I glanced toward the back seat and my heart seemed to stop. It was you know who, and he had a gun. I stiffened. I couldn't talk even if I wanted to, and I felt like throwing up. He handed me a ripped off piece of duct tape. Put it over your mouth. 
I accepted it from him, afraid that he would end my life then and there, so I put it over my mouth. I looked at the driver. He didn't look afraid or panicked, and I think he was in on this. Put your hands behind your back, he said behind me in a monotone voice. I complied again, and he wrapped up my wrists in tape. I was crying nonstop. I tried to think about how I was going to get out of this, waiting for an opening, but I was coming up short. I'm five foot four and around a hundred pounds, and this guy had a gun and easily outweighed me twice over. The drive ended abruptly, and I was ordered to get out of the car. My captor told the driver thanks, and he simply drove off. I remember feeling hurt, that who knows what was going to happen to me. The guy pushed me towards an abandoned house by my shoulder, all the while shoving the gun into my back. The gun's barrel was cold and painful. When we got into the house, me still crying, he started to tell me what he planned on doing to me. He then grabbed my phone and threw it onto the ground, smashing it. He whipped out a flip knife and severed the tape binding my wrists. He put the blade into his pocket and ordered me to take off my clothes. I didn't know what else to do. I stood there panicking. I hesitated and he yelled at me, sending chills down my spine. I didn't want to do this. I couldn't do this. He got irritated, then reached over and ripped at my top. Amidst these feelings of repulsion, I realized I finally had an opening. I acted quickly and I ripped the knife out of his pocket. I flipped it open as fast as I could and I slashed wildly at him, not aiming at anything in particular. He started to scream and I could see a big gash open up on his arm. I shoved him and ran for my life out of that house, knife still in hand. I sprinted to the closest open business when I entered, I barely got out the call 911 between my panting and cries. I ran behind the counter and curled up, crying and wishing this was just a nightmare. The guy working at the convenience store was obviously confused and looked a bit scared, but seeing the blood on the knife and how my shirt was ripped and the blood from my lips after peeling off the tape, it must have convinced the guy to actually call 911. So thankfully he did. He kept an eye out of the windows while giving me his jacket. While we waited for the authorities, I tucked my head in my arms and continued to cry. When the police arrived and took my report, they then went to check the house where I had escaped from. Of course, the guy was no longer there. I told him he knew where I lived, so an officer reassured me that he would keep an eye on my house, but I didn't sleep anymore that night. Every time I closed my eyes, I would feel his hands on me. The very next day, I quit my job and I moved back to my parents' house. They found the man and soon I will have to testify in his trial and I want to throw up at the thought of seeing his face again. Usually people say something like, I hope we never meet again, but I want to make sure this guy is put behind bars for the rest of his life. Number four. A Creepy Story at McDonald's Submitted by Seth G. This story took place only a few months ago at a McDonald's me and my friends were eating at. It was a usual Friday night. My brother and I with some friends would be out and about the town. We were mostly hanging out at the mall and sometimes going to Goodwill to goof off, but every time we went out, the oldest one of us, Andrew, would buy us all Burger King or McDonald's. 
He was the one who usually had the money, plus he could actually drive. Usually there were five of us, but this time it was just me and my brother with Andrew eating at McDonald's. We entered the restaurant that night and it was completely void of any other customers. Shortly after we walked in, it began to storm outside. I was watching the storm from our table when I saw a man standing just outside the doors of the place. Just from the look of this guy, I was getting some pretty bad vibes from him. I motioned at my brother to look and he agreed. The man looked middle-aged and really thin. He had on clothes that were way too big for him. He started smoking a cigarette and shaking his head violently back and forth. Then he began to talk to himself in the reflection of the glass door of the restaurant. There was something obviously wrong about this guy. By now, my brother and I were starting to get freaked out. We urged Andrew to hurry up and finish eating, but he was completely calm, not paranoid like we were. He told us it was probably just some guy hyped up on drugs and that there was nothing really to worry about. Regardless, I was still really concerned. At one point, I thought of just leaving them when waiting in the car, but I didn't want to look like a coward, seeing how calm Andrew was. This guy eventually walked into the restaurant with his right hand jammed into his coat pocket and his left hand firmly grasping the pocket on the outside. He hobbled inside, talking to himself the whole way, jittering and stuttering. When he sat down, I saw the telltale glint of a gun inside his coat. There was no mistaking it. In fact, he wasn't wearing anything but boxers underneath, with the gun either tucked into the coat itself or into his boxers. Thank God at this point, Andrew had finished eating, so we booked it as fast as we could back to his car. Looking back on it, he was probably just some crackhead waiting for his dealer, but it was definitely a scary encounter. Someone on edge from withdrawals like that, especially with a gun. Who knows what he could have done at any moment. And number five, McCreeper, submitted by Scully. I'm a 31-year-old woman. I'm small in stature, only about 4'11", and I know full well that I'm prime victim material. Because of this, I try to be hyper aware of everything going on around me. Sometimes that means just catching someone's gaze and feeling that knot in my stomach, but I believe listening to my instinct has saved me on more than one occasion. I don't like to take risks. I'm very careful and tend to think of all the impossible situations I could land in and what I would do. Maybe this is unhealthy, but can you really blame me? It's a dangerous world out there, and it's only gotten scarier since I became a mother. I simply couldn't live if anything happened to my daughter, who I will call Gigi for this story, and that's why this is the scariest instance I've been in with her. Anyway, my daughter's father and I broke up shortly after her first birthday. It was an ugly breakup, and the trust simply wasn't there to let my ex have her alone. Because of that nature of our breakup, I didn't trust myself being alone with him either. So we would meet at McDonald's and have some dinner while he played with Gigi. We did this many times and we had become familiar with the staff. More often than not, it was after the dinner rush. So the restaurant would usually have one or two other people there. On this particular day, we'd chosen one of the booths in this little alcove near the back. It gave us the privacy we wanted. Things were going well. My ex and I were growing friendlier again and we were having a good time. After a little while, a tall middle-aged man with a balding head and glasses came in. 
With him was a little girl no older than maybe seven or eight. They chose the tall table next to us, which irked me a little because there were tons of places to sit and they were practically on top of us. I probably wouldn't have really noticed them if the man hadn't let his gaze linger on my Gigi a little too long when they passed us. He never even said hello, or what a pretty girl she was like most people who notice her. And that made me feel weird. I was sitting on the side of the table that faced them. The little girl was facing me while the man's back was to me. I think I would have ignored them had it not been for the man making every excuse to grab a peek at my little girl. I heard him say to the girl he was with, do you want me to fix your ponytail? Which was odd because it seemed fine, not a strand was loose. I watched him as he got up and started to mess with her hair. Now that he was up and behind her, he had a perfect view of our table and he was looking at my little girl again. He caught me staring at him and catching him looking and he would just look away. But it became a game, like he was trying to steal glances when I wasn't watching. My maternal instinct was going off like a tornado siren. I felt the sudden need to bail with my daughter, but I kept trying to reason it away. At least I had my ex. He's a former soldier and I know he would have our backs. But the whole situation was making me uncomfortable. This didn't feel normal at all. The girl with him did not seem distressed by him, though I didn't really watch her as much as him. She didn't look like his daughter. He was fair-skinned and she had darker skin and black hair. He also never seemed to talk to her like most fathers do. I spoke up and told my ex that the man was looking at our daughter and that it was making me feel nervous. He tried to calm me down and told me to ignore them, but I simply couldn't. It wasn't until I saw the man awkwardly take out his phone as if he was trying to look like he was checking it, but there was uncertainty about the way he drew it out. He never brought it up to the table like a normal person would. He held it under the table and looked like he was angling it towards my daughter. And that's when I'd had enough. He was trying to take pictures of my child. My anxiety was growing through the roof and I felt close to tears, I was so angry. I told my ex we needed to leave and he obliged and helped my daughter get her things. As I picked up Gigi, I glanced at the man who had abandoned his little coy game and turned around in his chair. He was now looking directly at me. He just stared like he knew I knew. I practically ran out of there. It was terrifying in ways that I think only a parent can understand. I don't know what that man was thinking, and I don't want to know, but the most unsettling thing was that he had a little girl with him. What if he was a pedophile? And then what about her? I feel guilty about leaving when I had such a terrible feeling about someone, leaving an innocent child with them. But what could I do? Call the cops because some creepy guy was looking at my daughter? I hope more than anything that I was just being paranoid, but my gut is usually never wrong. Reality is naturally chaotic. From one human to the next, our bodies try to develop normally over our life cycle, but deviations occur, so people can often be born with defects and disorders. Often these errors don't reveal themselves until later in life. Maybe your child is a sociopath. Maybe that man next to you is at the breaking point with his antipsychotics. Maybe one day you'll have a desire to do something wrong and you won't know why. People are strange and dangerous sometimes. Sometimes you truly don't even know yourself. Good night. 
be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send me your Native American horror stories and Mexican scary stories too at darknessprevails.org. Thanks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.